Hello, everybody, and welcome to Nerd Speak. Today is Tuesday, April 6th. We missed yesterday's episode, but uh, we are back today for this week's episode, for the 10th week of Nerd Speak. It's episode 10, as like, you know, not, not including the little minute episodes. Two and a half months, you know, been going good. Uh, today, we're joined by Jeremy Siegel. Thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Um, so, yeah, I'll just go right into it. We're going to talk a little bit about a big research project that Jeremy did for, it was for Pitcher's List, right? Yeah, Pitcher List. Pitcher List and a uh, little Jets talk after they've been in the news a good bunch this week. So, uh, yeah, just you know, tell everyone about your uh, research project. Okay, so basically I found that 90th percentile exit velocity is more important than average exit velocity, which is what you'll generally find on a player's stat cast profile. Um, basically, for those of you who aren't math nerds like I am, um, 90th percentile basically means like, <clears throat> say you have 100 batted ball events, then your 90th highest exit velocity would be the 90th percentile so if there's 200 then it would be the 180th highest it and it goes on like that so essentially um every every batted ball that is under like 90 miles per hour in exit velocity has like under 10 percent probability of being a hit and like zero percent of being a home run so really what matters is what happens on the hardest hit balls that a player has. So if if you have like two players where one of them averages like 86 miles per hour, another averages 84 miles per hour, it doesn't really matter that much because like those those are not going to be hits most of the time anyway, and they're never going to be home runs. But once you reach that, 90 i think it's about like 92 is when the the curve like shoots up that's basically when you'll see a much higher probability of a hit or a home run and um i found that looking at the 90th percentile is a lot more predictive and it also correlates pretty strongly with barrel rate and hard hit rate which which a lot of people are pretty accustomed to using as well. <clears throat> awesome, yeah. Um, just for me, like, I kind of want to know about this. What players did you find, like, looking at 90th percentile exit velo were, like, a lot better than expected compared to, like, average exit velo? Um, so a lot of Blue Jays, actually. So um, Rowdy Tellez, I think it's... Telez, it's pronounced maybe. Yeah. Um, he he would he like stuck out to me the most. He was like top ten in 2020 of players that had over a hundred batted balls, and he's one of the players that I'm super high on for this year. Also, T. Oscar Hernandez from the Blue Jays as well. Um, another another really interesting note is if so, there's actually a, a leaderboard that. 
I uh, posted on my Twitter that, and if you look at the tab, that's all seasons, uh, 2015 to 2020, and you look at like the top 10, you'll see like familiar names like John Carlos Stanton, Aaron Judge, Nelson Cruz. They're all there a bunch of times. And then you'll see Franchi Cordero from 2018 has like the fifth highest. So I'm kind of hoping that we can see that again. Like, that would be pretty cool. I mean, maybe not because he's on the Red Sox, but <laughs> for his sake. So going kind of the other way, was there anyone that you kind of saw where their average exit velocity maybe didn't, you know, correlate to a high to, to, to a high 90 percentile where they kind of, you know, just sit around that average, but the average is higher than, you know what I mean? Like, they're higher on the average leaderboards, but lower on the 90th percentile. Um. Yeah, so honestly, a lot of like really good players were were um listed there. Like I think Mookie Betts and Astrubal Cabrera were or not uh, Astrubal Cabrera was one of them, but not <laughs> Mookie Betts and Anthony Rendon. I was just looking at the list that I have pulled up right now, and I said Astrubal Cabrera. I mean Cabrera and Betts are they're on that same tier, you know? Like... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So what I meant to say was Mookie Betts and Anthony Rendon are two of the guys that have like the biggest difference in average exit velocity and in um, 90th percentile in the negative direction. But I'd say the biggest reason for that is because both of them like have so many batted balls that are above 95 exit velocity that um that it kind of skews their average and that's why it's so high um but yeah Astrubo Cabrera is one of those players that I saw that isn't as good as well as Victor Reyes he's he's another guy that had a pretty high average exit velocity but was pretty was towards the bottom in 90th percentile do you think that the 90 90th percentile stat um benefits the you know high k high power guys more so than like you said someone like Mookie puts the ball in play way more so like you know judge doesn't or sanchez especially doesn't put the ball in play as much but when he does he hits it hard so do you think that that helps the 90 percentile more so than average um i think it depends on the type of hitter like i'd say for a guy like like gary sanchez who who hits the ball hard whenever he hits it is definitely going to benefit. But but someone who puts the ball in play a lot but doesn't really hit it as hard is still not going to see that high of a of a either, actually. Mm. Yeah. But, I mean, Mookie Betts is, like, a different example because he puts the ball in play, but he also hits the ball hard. And Anthony Rendon, too. So, so, so I guess it, it, like, really depends on, on what type of hitter. You are. Did you look at this uh, with launch angle at all? If there's a correlation there. Um. So there is a pretty strong correlation with barrel rate, as I said, and yeah, that that incorporates launch angle. But I didn't really look. I, I was really more concerned with exit velocity than launch angle. Yeah, that sense. But that actually is on my list of future projects to look at. Yeah, because I remember seeing, I think, Connor Kirkon, his, like, uh... Yeah, yeah I was just thinking about that. Or, yeah, yeah. Or no, dynamic yeah, he, does, he does excellent work. Yeah, I, yeah. I was actually... I, I actually read through his article about uh, dynamic 
hard hit rate like That's three cool. times mm-hmm. as I was writing mine for like, <laughs> ideas. <laughs> yeah, no, because I remember he did. He was like one of the first ones I saw to like kind of combine exit velo and uh, launch angle with that clip of like Joey Gallo going around that really high yeah. pop up. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, do you think? Uh, last couple questions. Do you think this is something teams are probably looking at already? Like, do you think uh, you're maybe like we're just catching up to the curve here? Um, honestly. I'd be shocked if teams aren't looking at things that are far more complicated than this. Like the, the few people that I've talked to that are in the inner circles have said that the data that even the least analytically inclined MLB teams have are more sophisticated than what we can find on Statcast or fan graphs or anything yeah no Mm. that makes sense yeah so do you think that it's like a um like do you think that that this is kind of more of a do you think that this is a good like predictive predictor kind of stat like is that why you're so high on telez this upcoming year you think that very predictive um it has a it has a very high r squared with um the following years expected Woba and Woba. Mm-hmm. Um like it, it also like has a very strong year over year correlation with itself, which yeah. is something that's really interesting. Like John Carlos Stanton has like the five highest seasons for for 90th percentile exit velocity, which is really cool. Um gotcha. Do you mind explaining just real quick uh, what R squared is for some of the listeners that maybe like aren't as statistically inclined? Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, I I should not have. No, no problem. So basically, um, if you have two, if you have two sets of data that you want to see if they're related to each other, um, I'm sure most people have heard the term correlation before. Yeah. So basically, there's there's a coefficient that we call it R, that describes how how much one, how, how correlated one data set is to another, and that's on a scale from, from zero to one, or actually negative one to one. Yeah. Like, negative one is very strong in the negative direction, negative. one is strong in the positive direction. Mm. So if you take that number and you square that, you get what we call R squared, and R squared basically is so it, it it's like the percentage of the variation in one data set, how much of that is explained by the other data set. So like if you if I say like there's an R squared value of 0.75 between um exit or 90th percentile exit velocity in one year versus um expected WOBA in the next year, that means that 75% of the variance in expected WOBA is explained for by the variation in 90th percentile exit velocity. If this yeah. is why people listen to, to nerd speak, man. It's <laughs> yeah. the stats yeah. lessons. You know, yeah. Com sci lessons. Last week, uh, <laughs> Asman was like talking. I don't even know what, what the word she was saying. Yeah, like, no, I, I was listening to that episode too. I, yeah. I did understand the the words that she was saying, but but I Jeez. can understand why how um 
that you, you got the years of data science really already. Like. <laughs> What's that? You already got a few years of data science under you. Or yeah, or whatever. No, yeah. I'm, I'm a junior in college, and I double major in computer science and stats, so yeah. I have that background. Yeah, spirit. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, yeah. So, uh, yeah, any, any more questions about the 90th percentile? No, I think we lesson? got everything on that. Um, We'll plug his article. We should actually plug that this time. I think yeah. we've been Did you say you were going to plug something a couple of, I think yeah, you I think said a couple times. Like, that, that, that link will be in the bio. And like, uh, yeah. yeah. I don't no, know what oh. bio you're ever talking about. I'm like, all right. Uh, we also, definitely... if you follow me on Twitter, at Jerseegs, that's J-E-R-S-I-E-G-S, um, my pin tweet is the link to the leaderboards for 90th percentile exit velocity, as well as the article that I wrote about a month ago. Yeah, definitely check uh, both of those out. You can see some interesting data there, like you mentioned, Stan Hernandez. Maybe you can find some guys on your own. Yeah. Um, all right, so moving on from that, you're a uh, Jets fan. and uh, Yeah, Jets have been in <laughs> long suffering, I assume. Uh, Jets have been in the news this week. I mean, you know, they had the second pick, obviously, had the big free agency a couple weeks ago. Um, So, yeah, second pick. And now Sam Darnold is off of the New York Jets, going over to the Carolina Panthers. Jets got back a sixth this year and a second and a fourth next year. Just what what were your thoughts on the trade when you saw it? Um, So I really did not expect the Jets to get this much in return for Darnold. Um, I, I knew that it, that it was pretty much all, but all, but definite that he was going to be traded. It was just a question of who he was going to and what the return was going to be. The Jets are committed to taking a quarterback, Mm. probably Zach Wilson. Yeah. Um, so they, they need, they needed to move on from, from Sam Darnold. He just wasn't really a fit in New York. Whether whether that's his fault or Adam Gase's fault is up for debate. I think it's a little bit of both. But mm-hmm. um yeah, I I was I expected to get like a third round pick, maybe a second, but to get three picks back, one of them yeah. being a second, is definitely something that I can't complain about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I thought um, it was a big trade. What do you think of so the Panthers basically committed to him for the next two years, right? Because they picked up his fifth year. Um, do you think they're still in play for a quarterback, or do you think this takes them out of it completely? Um, probably not. Um, I I think that they're gonna use their eighth pick, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, eighth. So so yeah, I think they're gonna use the eighth pick on somewhere else to shore up the roster. Maybe it's a Micah Parsons or Rayshon Slater. I, I think that they'd be much better off doing that. Um, and I'm not sure if they're going to go with, with uh, they're going to commit to Sam Darnold or they're going to have him compete with Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah. But either way, if one of them stinks, then they're probably going to be bad next year, which means they'll be in position to take a quarterback anyway. Mm. So... I guess you're better off going for the best quarterback in next class versus the fourth or fifth best in this class. Yeah, I think that they'd be fine 
with taking a quarterback. I think that they're just realizing that the way the board is going to fall, they're not going to have a top guy on the board at eight. And they're, yeah, I, they I probably think, have to trade up. So and I think that I and I so the Falcons and we were talking about this too. So the Falcons now they the reports are that they want to move out of four. There's no way that the Panthers hadn't already called them. The Falcons just said no because the interdivision rivalry. Like, I, like I don't see because if Falcons don't want a quarterback, four is gonna there's gonna be a quarterback at four. There's gonna be a really good quarterback at four. So like, you know, do you do you think the Falcons trade out of four and before that, actually, before we get into that, you had the Jets are two, right? Yeah, I don't know why I said right. Yeah. I know the Jets are two. <laughs> so it seems like I know Schefter says up tonight. It seems like it's all but certain that it's going to be Zach Wilson. Do you like that? Do you think would you prefer Fields? Do you think Fields isn't getting enough? I, I feel like it should be more of a debate than it has been. Yeah, everyone in mainstream media that I've seen has been saying that that Wilson is definitely qb2 of this class which i strongly disagree with i think wilson's a great prospect and i would be very happy for him to be the quarterback of the jets moving forward but i i i just think fields is better like i think they're i think they're very similar as passers they both have incredibly strong arms they're both accurate they can both move around in the pocket and what i think the trump card is for fields is his he he's more mobile like you can you can have designed runs with fields you're not really going to do that with wilson i know i know he didn't college but i doubt i i doubt he's going to have any i doubt he's going to have any designed runs yeah in his package in the nfl so um and having a a quarterback that that you do designed runs with really helps your running game as well like i i did show that a couple months ago with uh our chart yeah um yeah it's uh i'm with you i think fields i thought fields has been better for a while now and it's weird seeing all you know like the typical complaints of oh his work ethic oh the first reads when it's the same thing for like every non-white quarterback i feel like um more or less yeah. Um. Uh, shifting from the Jets though to the pick after, either you guys can answer. But how likely do you think Mac Jones goes to the Niners? I still think it's Trey Lance. Yeah. Like, really? Uh, I I gen I just I mean it should be Fields. It's it it, it shouldn't even be close. They should yeah. rush to the podium. But I don't know. I I know the reports, but just the whole Jimmy G thing. Yeah. I genuinely I think that they are gonna go with Jimmy G next year and. Mac Jones is not the kind of guy that you need to like let sit and develop. His ceiling is not that high. Yeah, like he's a plug and play guy. He'll be fine. He's not gonna be great. But like Trey Lance is the guy you let sit a year and like just get situated to everything because his ceiling is through the roof. I, I think that he's the perfect fit and you know deep ball guy with Shanahan. I think that I would love to. I I mean that's where I would love to see him go. I didn't, I hope it happens. But yeah, yeah. If they go Mac Jones, that would be one of the worst <laughs> trades I've seen in my entire life. Yeah, I really don't get the Mac Jones ever. Like, why? Why are you trading? Uh, why are you trading two first round picks for future years to yeah. trade up and get Jimmy Garoppolo too? <laughs> when you Dude. already have Jimmy Garoppolo, <laughs> yeah. I, just, I just don't get it. Like, 
they're still a good roster with Jimmy Garoppolo, and I totally understand why they want to upgrade a quarterback. I, I think the trade that they made makes a lot of sense if it's for Justin Fields, yeah. not if it's for Mac yeah. Jones. And Trey Lance, I think he's very hit or miss. I honestly haven't watched or read enough about him to really form enough of an opinion. So I, I guess I'll kind of defer to the experts on that. But Mac Jones, I, I really just don't see any chance of him being an elite quarterback in the NFL. Yeah. And why are you sacrificing your drafts in future years to get a guy that you hope will be an average quarterback when you are yeah. the one? Yeah, I mean, they're spending three first-round picks on whoever they take at three. Like, that, like that is like, like in the end, like that's what they're doing. They're spending this year's, they're spending next year's, they're spending the year after that. So they are going all in on whoever they take at three. And you don't spend three first-round picks on a guy who, whose ceiling is not at the, at the minimum top ten. Like, you know, if you don't see this dude as being an elite, elite quarterback, then you don't take it, you, you just, if, like, if they take Trey Lance, they just take Fields. It, it, I don't really understand why it's not Fields and like, okay, yeah, they trade up for Fields. But if they take Trey Lance, it's a it's boomer bust. I, I agree with that. I, I see. I I think he's so similar to Josh Allen. Like I mean, big arm, bad accuracy, mobile, all that stuff. Big guy, um, big hands. But uh, I think that like if if he if you trade up for him and he sucks, then you know you, it was a bad trade. You wasted those resources. But like I don't know. At least you took a chance. Like Matt Jones. I'd rather take the chance on a guy with a super high ceiling and a low floor than a guy with a medium ceiling and a medium floor. Like, I, I don't know. I just Yeah. I, just, I mean, I completely agree, but I also think that that this trade is stupid either way because they should be taking just fields. Fields. Yes, I, I agree. I, I don't understand. Like like I, like when it happened, I thought I like my whole time was like, okay, fields, 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 and then people were like, Nope, Lance, and then someone else was like, Nope, Jones, and I was like, What is that like why are they even being considered there? Like, it just doesn't make sense. I've seen a lot of talk, like, from from certain analysts on Twitter that are saying that, that Kyle Shanahan, like, performs the best when he's with, like, a quarterback that he can sort of control. Yeah. Like, Herb Cousins in Washington, Matt Ryan in Atlanta, and then, um, obviously, Jimmy Garoppolo in San Francisco. But what people forget to mention is RG3 in his rookie year was one of the best quarterbacks in the league and he would not fall under that umbrella and he was excellent in Shanahan system and I would say that that Justin Fields and Trey Lance fall under that same mold not they're like sim not they're the same quarterback to RG3 but like they're similar in the sense that they make plays themselves and they don't really need to be controlled by Kyle Shanahan so to speak. <laughs> Especially yeah. Fields. I mean, Fields is so fast, and his arm is just. I mean, like when he, I remember when he showed out during like I think it was during the college football playoff. People were like, could he go one? Like, could he go over Lawrence? Which was always a stupid conversation to have, but like still, like he's that good. Like he, he's the first. Pick, I, I think he should be at least. He should be the first pick in a normal year when there's non generational prospect. I just, yeah, it makes if they pass up on him, that would just be ridiculous. Yeah, I think Fields is definitely better as a prospect than any of the secondary options that I can remember over like the last four or five years. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think like even if you just look at, like their college stats, like um, 
I think Fields is closer to Lawrence than he is to uh, Wilson. I don't know if that's like a hot take or whatever, but that's just me. I think I think Lawrence is ridiculous. <laughs> like I think Lawrence is just like like you know that that level of he will be elite in a year. Like we'll yeah. be talking about him as a top seven eight quarterback in the league in like a year. I like I'm super high on Wilson too. Like I mean like, like I'm not I I think Wilson is a near elite prospect. I just don't. I just think Fields is there too. I just think I think that the top three of this quarterback class is just ridiculous, and I just don't see. It's like Fields has the ceiling and he has the floor. Like it just it's like he like you know he has the ceiling that Trey Lance has, but he also has the floor that Mac Jones has. It just it's weird to me that he's not being considered the like the. Like it's weird to me that this draft is not Lawrence Wilson Fields or Lawrence Fields Wilson, and it starts at four. Like, like that's yeah. weird to me that that we don't already know the board at four. Yeah, I completely agree. Kyle Shanahan seems like he's way too smart of a guy <laughs> to really not take Justin Fields here. I I, yeah. I just really don't get it unless he knows something that everyone else doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think. Chris Sims, too, like him and Shanahan are really good friends, apparently, or whatever. And Sims has been pushing all that Mac Jones talk recently. And I, I don't know. It's, like, so hard to hear you, like, just mortgage your whole future for a guy who's, like, like you said earlier, he's Jimmy Garoppolo all over again. Would you imagine to take Jones and he's just, like, a superstar? Like, Dude, that's like mobile. Like, I hope he's good. But, like, I just don't see it right now. Um. If Jones like wins them a Super Bowl or whatever, you know, like that's amazing. But I don't see how you get there. Um. Yeah. So. Uh, oh, that, that was the other thing. So after the top three, we don't know what's going to be at three. Do you think the Falcons are the ones who take that fourth pick? Just you know, both of you. I don't know. Quarterback, you mean? Just no. Do you think that? Do you think the Falcons are are picking at four? Oh. Uh, uh, okay. Um. For me, I'd say, hmm, I think if Fields is there, I think maybe Denver trades up. But as of now, I'd say that they're the ones picking there. Um, I don't know if there's like, I can't see a team being that desperate for a quarterback where they need, because like New England, right? They're at pick like 15 right now, I think. Uh, Washington's at like 20. So they'd have to give up like a significant amount of picks and like capital for that. I don't see if they'd be willing to do that, especially if, like, these NFL teams view Fields as, like, QB4 in this class or whatever, which I don't think they should, but if that's what they have him as, I don't think a team would be willing to do that. Plus, Atlanta might take the quarterback themselves, so as of now, I think I'd say they'd take the pick. Um, I think number four is going to be a quarterback either way, whether it's Atlanta making the pick or them trading yeah. down. I think I think the first non quarterback off the board is going five, whether it's Chase or Sewell. Sewell, right? Um, I I think I think five quarterbacks are going top ten, even even with Carolina out of the mix now. Um, one thing that I that I have been thinking about is what if Miami is just been playing five D chess all along. <laughs> And they trade up back to four and take Justin Fields. Wow. <laughs> uh, that, that would be ridiculous. Wow. Yeah. See, but like, you can do it. 
Wouldn't they? They got two first rounders from San Francisco, right? And then yeah, they yeah. traded one of them to move back to six. Right. Yeah. So if they trade, let's say they trade the other to move up to four, why not just stay at three? Well, what if, what if they give away like a second to move? To yeah, four? that's fair. Like, okay, yeah. And they or or they just give up their second first this year. That's true. Because they, I mean, they they're, they're like eighteen. Eighteen. 20, yeah. Uh, yeah, that that could be interesting. So the, so that yeah, how about that then? So let's assume four quarterbacks go one through four. I don't know who. I mean, I, I, if, if, it, if I was them, I would go. You know, Lawrence Wilson, Fields, and then um, Lance. So, and let's assume that NFL teams have the top ten grade on Matt Jones. Where does he go? Like, does someone trade up for him? Or like, you said top ten. So, who's the who's the fifth team in the top ten that goes quarterback? Um, honestly, it could be anyone. Um, I. You you mentioned New England. I think I I could definitely see that happening, um, because they're they're only committed to Cam Newton for one year. Yeah. Um, I could see Washington. At another one you mentioned. Um, may, or I guess Philly's not in the top ten anymore. So so they're yeah they're twelve. They're 12. Yeah. Um, I think Denver. Yeah, De- Denver definitely can. Just because he's tall and white, and it will <laughs> <laughs> it fits their mold perfectly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think Denver. If if we're if we're if we're assuming no no more trades, so, I mean, like, because you obviously you know Cincinnati could trade down with, with the Pats, but it, assuming yeah. no trades, I mean, Cincinnati is clearly not going QB. I don't think Miami's gonna go QB, especially not QB five. Um, so then the Lions. I mean, Matt Jones doesn't make that much sense there, but you know if they want to go with a quarterback, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility to have a guy like Lance sit under uh, Goff. But obviously, they're paying Goff ridiculous yeah. money. They may want to, you know, see that I through. I could actually see Detroit moving up to take Fields at four. Wow, I think I think that would be a great fit. I I don't really see the the point of taking Mac Jones. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. Have Jared Goff. That's like right. the same thing. Yeah, I don't see the point of taking Matt Jones if you are picking in the top twelve. Like, I don't see the point of anyone trading, especially. I don't see the point of anyone trading up for Matt Jones. Like, if the, uh, the place Matt Jones should go in my mind is the Pats at fifteen. I'm fine. With, yeah. I mean, they, they want to take him at fifteen, not give up any more assets. It's a fine pick, and, and he would fit very well there because you yeah. know it's Bill Belichick. But. Mac- is like the guy you take when you have a perfect roster like yeah. you have a great receiving yeah, core that. defense great everything and all you need is a quarterback that is just Doesn't not gonna suck. mess anything up yeah yeah, yeah. You, don't, you don't need him to win games you just need him to not lose games yeah yeah that, that's I think washington. washington is right now yeah, yeah. So, washington is a perfect what, fit yeah yeah I mean, I think, that's a good team and they're just yeah. they just need someone to not suck at quarterback <laughs> And I don't have faith that Taylor Heineke can be the guy who does not suck um, a quarterback. Fitzpatrick you got Fitzpatrick now. I do have Fitz. <laughs> <laughs> this is interesting. But yes, I mean, he always he only tends to perform when there's a quarterback competition. <laughs> so. yeah, you can, you can never name him the starter. You just have to keep him on his toes every week, and then like let him get starter minutes, and then he's fine. Uh, Jeremy, I know you're into like betting markets and stuff a little, right? Um, yeah. Mac Jones started like I remember like the first prop came out. He was like 18.5 for like his over under. 
He's at 3.5 now. He's at 3.5? Wow. I saw I saw a couple days ago he was at like 6.5. I'm surprised he dropped that low. I, I can't believe he's like all yeah. the way up there. It's like it's because it's it's I mean the rumors are San Francisco. You know, it, it's yeah. basically is he? I mean they're not going to two and a half, but like yeah, is he I'm, is he going to go to San Francisco or, or not? Yeah. Or not? And that, that's basically just a bet. Yeah, um, I, I know he and he Fields and Lance all have like the same odds to be selected third by by San Francisco. The Niners. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. Yeah, I. It's really Can't weird. Adam Jones going that high. Um. Also, while we have you, uh, I don't know if you saw, but the little discourse on Twitter the other day about the Bengals if they should take uh, Sewell or Chase. Uh, I'm in the position they should take Chase. Uh, Jeremy, what do you think? Okay, so I'm actually gonna go against what, because because I know you're you're probably talking about it. It was discussed on the PFF forecast. Yeah. With uh, Eric and George. Yeah, yeah they were so, talking about it. Then yeah. I saw, I think, Ben Baldwin was, like, tweeting about it a little. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, there was a long thread. So I actually agree with them when when they say that having a number one, a true number one wide receiver is more important than having an elite offensive tackle. Yep. And that's just assuming both players hit their ceiling, which mm-hmm. is obviously not a slam dunk. Yeah. But when it comes to the draft – I feel like wide receivers just are much more unpredictable and have a much higher bust rate than tackles. And I feel like like if you take Suell, there's a very low chance that he doesn't turn into at least a above average starting tackle in the NFL when it's easier to find receivers later in the draft. Like if you look at last year, you had like uh, Ru- everyone had Rugs, Judy, and Lamb in some order as their top three. Right. And maybe, maybe you were bullish on Rugs. Everyone had Judy and Lamb, and yeah. then the best receiver was Justin Jefferson. Yeah. And I don't think anybody had him. Even the Vikings had him ahead of Judy or Lamb on their board. And yeah. if you look back two years ago, at least in my opinion, the best receiver is was Terry McLaurin, who was drafted in the third round. So I I just think it's it's easier to find a receiver on day two than it is to get a tackle. So I actually think if I were Cincinnati, I would take Penny Sewell at five. I agree with like I think that you dra- I would I think that you should be drafting Linemen over receivers, like if you can, if you have a great lineman versus a great receiver, it's it's easier to you know plug and play. You like you said the bust rate, and it's easier to find wide receivers late. I just don't think like I think they've invested a lot in the O line. I think that's maybe what PFF was saying, but like they invested a lot in O line. You kind of want to see that through a bit. It's also a solid O line class in the second round, where they can try someone out there, but. I don't know. I I don't think they can go wrong with either pick. I think either pick yeah. has a lot of pros, a lot of cons, um, because you you gotta keep um, Burrow upright. But you know, if you can build, I don't think that building a mediocre offensive line versus a great offensive line makes the difference for as much as a mediocre wide receiver core versus a great wide receiver core. But I don't. But but their offensive line also was not mediocre last year. It was horrible. Like it was. You know, bottom of the barrel. 
So, yeah, I, I, I don't even know. I really don't know what I would do if I was them. They can't go wrong. I think I probably would lean towards Sewell and a, a wide out the second round just because, like you said, I mean, Sewell is a very safe pick. Sewell makes this offensive line mediocre probably, like just by, just that one big pick at yeah. left tackle. And you don't have to – and then you don't have to worry about offense tackle for like 10 years. And also, yeah. like you said, wide receiver is way easier to find. I mean, they can get – there's going to be a lot of really good wide receivers in the second round when they pick. Like they're, they're, I mean, 37, there's going to be some really good wideouts there. And wide receivers fall in this league. Like, you know, I I, I think that people are very much over I, – I think Chase is the only one that goes top 10. I think both Waddle and Smith will be on the board for the Giants. I just don't think that teams value wide receivers. They they value wide receivers like they should. They just understand that they're ve- it's a position that's pretty easy to find. And obviously a true number one is tough to find, and that's you know why Chase is different. I think Waddle is probably a true number one, Smith too, but you know, Chase is no doubt a true number one. And I think that's why I think he'll go top ten. Like, I don't. I haven't seen anyone who thinks that his that he's not going to be a a top ten receiver in the league. But yeah, it's just linemen just last longer, and it just it's just a very. I think it's the safer pick, and it's not like this is a guy who doesn't have a astronomically high ceiling. I mean, he could be he could be all famer. So I would go Sewell. Yeah, like what are the chances that? After this year, we look back and Rashad Bateman is the best wide receiver in this class. I I think think the chances of that are much higher than the chances that the best tackle is not Panay Sewell or Rashawn Slater. Yeah, I I agree with that. I think, yeah, like you said, wide receivers are way more unpredictable. Guys just break out randomly and, you know, second round picks, third round picks, just, you know, they're just it's just easier to build a good wide it's easier to build a good wide receiver core than it is to build a good O line. Yeah, I yeah, it's definitely a good counter. The main thing I saw about I guess it, half of it comes on your opinion of Jonah Williams. Um, he's the the Bengals left tackle now I think, but he was like hurt a while. I know some people are higher on him than others, but in the end, I think they're in a perfect position where, like, either pick they make, you know, benefits them, increases their ceiling, increases their floor. Um, yeah, they're getting a blue chip guy no matter what. Because yeah. they're, they're going to have the – I think they're going to have the their pick of non-QBs. And... Yeah. Yeah, so I don't – like, in the end, maybe it's, like, a marginal difference. Maybe, like, one of them booms, one of them busts. But mm-hmm. in terms of, like, process, they really can't go wrong. I agree. Um. We're going to talk more about the draft. Me and Jr. Obviously, is the uh, over the next three weeks. But uh, Jeremy, you think that there's any um, crap? What was the guy who the Raiders took a couple of years ago? That was a ridiculous pick from Clemson. Cleveland Farrell. Yes. Yeah. Do you think that there's a? Do you see any of that happening in the top ten this year? Or do you think that with COVID, everything scouting is the media kind of knows the NFL's minds behind that? Um, I mean, I guess there's a chance because you just never know what teams like the Lions are going to do, <laughs> especially with Dan Campbell there. <laughs> but like, who knows what he's thinking? He's going defensive back. Um, yeah. I'm seeing a lot of hype about um, J.C. Horn 
as as the number one corner. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm no scout, but I I really don't see him. I, I don't I don't really see how you can say he's better than than Patrick Sertan or Caleb Farley, yeah. who I really like. I think Caleb Farley's the best corner in this class. Um, so I could I could see somebody taking a shot on J.C. Horn in the top ten, which would kind of be unexpected. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I've seen I I tweet about like a week or something ago. Like Farley is like being mocked like the late teens now, early twenties, and I think. I get he had the second surgery on his back. There's definitely like injury concern there, but he was like a shutdown corner when he was at a uh, Virginia Tech, right? Um, I think him and Sertan, there's an argument for like one A or one B, but I think Horn's like the clear three, and I think I mean like Las Vegas would be like the perfect team to you know mess up a pick in the top ten, because they do it like every year. It feels like they took a Damon. They're not in the top ten, right? No, they're not. But they took like Damon Arnett last year, like twenty or something, when he was like a third round projection. At- yeah, but they're going Najee Harris. We all know. <laughs> I the, think the, the Harris, Harris Drake is going to Steelers twenty four. <laughs> I, I think that's that's the that that sounds too good to be true. Najee Harris to the Steelers at twenty four. That'd be perfect. <laughs> <laughs> it's really unbelievable, like. How every year and like I I've gotten way more analy- way more analytical the last three years like when the Giants took Barkley like I knew it was the wrong pick but I still cheered because like hey he's fun but like it's wild just like how teams have just gone away from running backs and it's been really quick most teams at least most, yeah I mean like Clyde Edwards Hilaire was the first running back off the board last year and he went 31 32 and I mean. You know that's a that that's where that that's too high for him, but it's still yeah. You know that that's where running backs should be starting if they want to start there. So like, it's been pretty quick. But then you have a team like the Raiders, who you know is very very excited about running backs. This <laughs> could stockpile them. Someone uh, is gonna overdraft Christian Barmore. I'll, I'll say that too. Someone someone's gonna fall in love with a very toolsy interior defensive lineman when he's like his skill set's so easy to find dude i'm (laughs) so happy that there's no like really good defensive tackle in this draft like last year like Derek brown i was terrified the giants were gonna go brown i'm so happy that there's no one for dave gettleman to take in the first round he'll take we'll probably take one in the second round because that's what he does (laughs) like i'm just i'm happy that he that, that like the worst pick he can make will be a now you somewhat valuable position at the very least. Yeah. Yeah. Do you expect to play like eleven defensive tackles on the field? Yes. Yes. <laughs> like, I, I know. I know they lost uh, Dalvin Tomlinson, but like they Wins. have Leonard. Williams, they have Dexter Lawrence. Like, what more do you need? <laughs> yeah, Another they, hog molly. Dude, they, the hog mollies, baby. They have a uh, no. I mean, it's been the one great part of the Giants every year. Gellman's been here. They have amazing defensive tackle depth, and as you can see, based on the fifteen and thirty-three records <laughs> Gellman's been here, it hasn't had much. Yeah, I can't wait. We're gonna. There's like a couple interior guys like I do like in the draft, but like just please don't draft them. That's like just please. <laughs> well, there's some guys I go like. It's just I want the Giants to trade down so badly. Like, they're not going to do that. Stop. They're not going to. I know. I'm getting my – but, like, they have so few picks, and they are finally, like, 
their roster is pretty good to the point where like we just you gotta get depth. Like you you have to get solid guys across the board and you don't have to go for like these blue chip guys. Like just go solid depth and like like taking a defensive tackle is something you can do if you trade down and you have eleven picks in this draft. Go spend one on offensive tackle. Hell, I mean defensive tackles. Hell, spend one on a running back in the sixth round. I don't care. Like yeah. just don't. Go, but if you have five picks or six picks like they have, like you can't spend a, one of your top three picks on a non-valuable position that you already have a lot of depth in. For sure. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, that's all I got. All I have. <laughs> yeah. Jeremy, got anything? That's everything. <laughs> awesome. All right. Yeah, man. All right. Well, uh, thanks for coming on. This is a fun talk, and plug yeah, your uh, yeah, places that you do things yeah so um i did mention earlier that um you can follow me on twitter at jer siegs j-e-r-s-i-e-g-s um i also as we mentioned before write for pitcher list um now that the now that the regular season's underway i should be have i should be having an article come out just that every monday awesome so uh you keep a lookout for that yeah definitely read those yes very very good website all right thanks for coming on and uh yeah we will be back um sometime in the middle of the week with (laughs) with a midweek episode i think it's gonna be a stat breakdown this week so uh yeah thanks for joining us and we will see you later